Sorry, Mike. Let me start again. A story was making the rounds in the news last week. Perhaps you heard about it. It impacts you directly in some way. An organization of academics from seven major universities around the world, I think that's caught up now, uh, concluded a study on altruism or selfless behavior in children. And the conclusion they came to broke my heart. Children from households that practiced religion with Christianity and Islam being at the forefront, displayed less of a sense of altruism than their secular, non-practicing counterparts. According to the study, religiosity affects children's putative tendencies. And it was also said that children from religious households frequently appear to be more judgmental of the actions of others. Now, I was... Very sad to read this, but truth be told, I'm not surprised. I cannot speak for my Islamic brothers and sisters, but I've seen behavior in my Christian ones that is embarrassing and dominant. We have told lies, we have said hurtful things, we have acted in ways we wish we could take back. These are the things we confess to almost every Sunday in worship. And yet, do we say them with conviction? Are we honest with ourselves, and are we honest before God? Or do we just say them because we are in worship and we think we are supposed to? Perhaps this is where the gap of altruism begins. Three days, or about 72 hours ago, 115, 200,000 people, who are not you or I, mostly not from our country, rose as they were able and went about their day in creation. 115,200 living, breathing souls, men and women, children and elderly, religious and not, children of God, 115,200 people. About one-fifth of the size of Baltimore's population. Some were happy, some were sad. Who really knows but God? And now as I stand here and you sit there, some 72 hours later, 115,200 of those people have perished. They have died at the hands of terrorists. They died because they were terrorists. They died because they were in the wrong place at the wrong time when Mother Nature's ugly hand revealed itself in the form of an earthquake. 115,200 2, 115, people are lost from this earth, and millions more mourn that loss across the globe. I confess that I tuned out the news for the most part from Friday night onward. It's not that I did not want to know what was happening, it's that I really did not want the mass media, social media interpretation. I did not want to deal with people misrepresenting Islam. I did not want to hear how students protesting needed to get over it as compared with the rest of the world. I did not want the conversation to be dominated by Paris while people lay dying in Japan, Beirut, and Baghdad, the loss of their lives just as tragic as the loss of life in France. 
I did not want people to exploit mass murder to sprout their political agendas. Quite simply, I wanted to maintain some shred of selflessness, some semblance of altruism towards humanity. And maybe that's not the most Christian thing to do, at least according to the report that I discussed. So you're all here today, and I'm supposed to say, what now? Where is God in the midst of things we cannot understand? What does the Bible say about death and destruction? Interestingly enough, the Bible today says a lot. The Daniel text, though it is brief, talks about a time when the archangel Michael will come, bringing with him anguish such as never occurred since nations first rose into existence. This text today is the culmination of Daniel's visions, which have depicted war after war to the point where it almost becomes nihilistic. Jesus actually references events such as these from this past week when he talks about nation rising against nation with famines and earthquakes. The gospel of the Lord indeed, and what an uplifting one at that. So the text I find in today's, for today's inspiration is from neither of those, but actually in Hebrews. Now I've written the past few weeks in Theology Thursday about the difficulty I have in breaking down Hebrews because it is such a dense and difficult book. And I, stress, I cannot stress this enough. That's not because you all cannot understand it. It's because I cannot interpret it in a manner clear enough for dissemination. But underneath it all, if we accept the Jewish understanding of the Hebrews text and the sacrificial language which doesn't have a lot of bearing on us as Gentiles, underneath all of that, we can further understand that here in this text is some really good news. We have been brought to the sanctuary today by the blood of Jesus. And now we are here in the midst of chaos and despair. Our mission comes into clear focus. Let us hold fast to what Christ has promised. And let us love one another and do good. Everyone asks in the midst of this all, what can we do? The Hebrew text breaks it down quite simply. Let us gather together at worship and get better at being altruistic. Let us leave worship knowing that God loves us and that God calls us to love one another. As the pastor of Salem, I cannot make this any more clear. If your sole reason in attending church is to be validated and not pushed, to celebrate individually and not with your sisters and brothers gathered, then this might not be the church for you. But if you want a better understanding of Christ, if you want to learn how to love one another, if you want to disprove this academic report of a lack of altruism amongst people of faith, come to worship. Be engaged. Ask questions. Find fulfillment. Provoke one another to love and good deeds and go out sharing faith, hope, and God's love to all whom you encounter. For until this end of days that is talked about in Scripture, an end that we do not understand how will come, but it certainly does not sound pleasant, we are called not to worry, not to fear, or not to judge. We are called to love the Lord our God by showing kindness to the stranger, 
care for those in need, and believing in a power to heal this world. I cannot explain why things happened, especially the way they did this past week, but I can explain and account for my behavior towards them. And so can you. As we confess to the Son of God who died for our sins, let us live for the living Son of God, whose love and compassion knows no bounds. Amen.